like to be tied and only a shell of yourself you start to believe you don't have what it takes cause it's all you can do just to move much less finish the race Times get hard And it's hard to find the truth In all the
Good morning, everybody. How are you? We, uh, if you haven't noticed, the heat's still not working in this room. Um, I know you can't tell at all, but good, uh, good excuse to get up and you can dance or something, whatever you want to do, stay warm. Stay six feet but, uh, apart. The louder you sing, the warmer you get, too. Just don't get close to each other. <laughs> but uh, if you want to stand, we'll pray, and then we're going we're gonna to sing a new song today. It's an old song, but we've never done it together, so... God, we love you. Um, we uh, praise you for this time we have together as we lift your name up with these songs, these words, as we hear your word. Um, so we pray for Leonard. We pray for ourselves to be open to hearing it, to listening to you. We do thank you for this building, even without heat. It's warmer in here than it would be outside. Um, we pray for the kids today, everything going on in their ministry and their time together. We thank you for all the work that Matt and Brittany and all the other volunteers do for that. And, uh, just as it grows, I just pray that we as a church um, grow along with them. That as uh, we're all in this together for you, um, so help us to be united as a family. And we love you, God. We praise you this morning. Amen. All right, so this new song is called God and God Alone. Sing the chorus, then you can sing it with me. If you know it, sweet, you can help lead.
Before y'all have a seat, take a moment, spin around, wave to somebody, say hi, make some eye contact. Well, good morning, everybody. Y'all enjoying the nice brisk air out there? A couple announcements before we uh, move along in service here. Um, first one, middle and high school uh, youth group is meeting tonight here at the building at 6.30. So if you know somebody, um, have them come. Also, we're participating in the Tree to Trail sponsored by the Salem Parks Department next Sunday. So make sure you bring your candy in here. It's supposed to do, be due today, but we can make a few, a few exceptions. Um, we're also looking for some... Volunteers interested in helping not only with the kids' ministry on Sunday mornings, but also the junior high and high school on Sunday nights. So if you're interested, contact myself or the office. And then last but not least, it's that time of year again to start thinking about your Operation Christmas Child Box. Um, they are due November 15th. There's a shipping donation of $9 made out to Samaritan's Purse. If you're interested, the boxer, boxes are out by the entrance. Uh, many other questions will be free to answer. That's all I have. Oh, no, there is one more. 2000, uh, yeah, 2021 elder nominations. If anybody is, uh, wants to nominate somebody, uh, let the church office know or an elder, and uh, we can start the process going there. That's it. And at this time, all the kids can go downstairs. I know if you're if you're like me, even though I'm 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 a 50-something person uh, with arrested development, I feel like I need to go down there with them. But um, uh, even though uh, we can't go down there, you know, you're stuck with me. But I'll try to make it 
kind of interesting and fun uh, like those guys are having down there. I'm so grateful for what Matt's been able to do with the kids. We had, I think, about 30 kids turn out for the um, uh, uh, the event we did last Sunday night at the, um, at the corn maze. Uh, so I'm very gratified to see things kind of perk up along those lines and to see how prayers have made such a big difference in so many ways and so many lives uh, because we, we really need the Lord's help more than ever uh, given the amount of um, chaos and storms and things that are unpredictable uh, that are happening both personally and, and in the larger world. And I think that's why we need to be in a room like this so that we can stay grounded, right, uh, in our faith and in our trust in all the things that have to do with the Lord. Uh, so as we begin our message time today, uh, I'd just like to ask everybody, uh, both here and everyone online, if you would just bow with me for a second. And uh, in spirit, let's invite the Lord into this occasion. Father, we are so grateful that as we begin this first day of the week, we can do so with confidence that you are here with us that you promise that you will always be with us, even to the end of the age. And we are grateful that as we go through uh, this journey on this path that we're on in this particular part of the wilderness and uh, this season that we're in, we have confidence that you are right there alongside us. And it is uh, uncertain, uh, to say the least, the times that we're in and the effect that they're having on, on lives uh, but you are our certain foundation. And so we ask you, Lord, uh, because of your faithfulness and your great love for your people and for this world, uh, that you would just be a part of this experience in the most important way possible. Uh, you'd speak to our hearts and our minds and then speak through us. Um, I pray for uh, those that uh, are unable to be a part of our gathering, especially those who are hurting right now and those who are, are struggling uh, in the hospital, I just ask, Father, that you would give them the grace that they need uh, in this day. And uh, we just want to lift this time up to you, uh, asking you to bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we go through uh, what I would call uh, the storm of 2020, uh, I, I know that there's a lot of things on our minds that haven't normally been on our minds uh, because of the things that have come to the surface and in the course of uh, what we've gone through. I mean, everything just seems to be like the rule book has been thrown out and uh, we really can't always anticipate uh, what next. A couple of weeks ago, we were trying to just turn the heat up in this place and uh, we discovered that um, for some strange reason, the regulator broke out front and then the, the gas company came and they looked at everything and they said, yeah, you're gonna have to basically have a whole new, whole new gas meter put in, which they did. And then when they came and they, they said, we're gonna uh, clear all the lines and light all the furnaces, uh, this is where I have to offer a confession. It's called the sin of omission. Uh, it's the, uh, I don't know what that meant just now, but <laughs> other than, you know, underscore. Uh, the sin, sins of, 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 of omission are the ones that are the things that we, we knew we should do and we didn't do. And as the furnace uh, uh, people from the gas company were lighting all the furnaces, they asked me where they all were. And I said, yeah, there, you know, there's some down there and there's some down there and there's some down there. And if you look in any closet, there's probably a furnace in this building. The thing I just realized this morning was, um, Jason could probably appreciate this, there's also a furnace right underneath the baptistry, the most important furnace of all, the reason why we called them in the first place. And guess what? I forgot to mention, there's a couple of furnaces down there too you guys need to clear the lines and light. So I came in this morning, I'm like, how come that thing is not working the way it's supposed to be working? And then it occurred to me, oh yeah. I forgot to tell them that there's a furnace, and so they didn't light it. Well, I'm going to atone for my sins today by hopefully telling you something that maybe you need to hear in the storm, and I would be, it would be a sin of omission if I didn't share that with you, and that is the, the storms of life will begin to reveal to you what it is that your life is based on. And I, I want to just share this message because I think it is so, so important for us to wrap our minds around. Um, in, in the book of uh, Matthew, 
there is a sermon that Jesus gave called the Sermon on the Mount. And at the very end of that sermon, Jesus says these words, which I think are sort of like the bottom line that will help uh, not only the people he was talking to at the time, but I also think it's good for us as well. So in Matthew 7, 24 and following, uh, we read these words. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it, or great was the crash, as some versions say. And the reason I wanted to share this today is because I want to help you wrap your mind around something, and that is the storms of life, if you haven't put that together yet this year, they are inevitable. <laughs> they are a part of life, and sometimes uh, when Jesus is talking about these things, he's thinking, yeah, that storm's going to come, and with this awareness of the things I'm teaching, it will help them when that time comes. But let's just put ourselves for a second into the place of the people that first heard this. Because they lived in a different part of the world than you and I live. A place where there's a lot of desert, there's mountains, and uh, there are events that occur that are different than events here. And that's why I think we need to go there to appreciate what is, um, is being shared. Because believe it or not, when the people that heard that, that part of the sermon heard that, you could actually hear, hear them kind of laughing. They're sort of chuckling. Like, yeah, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Why? Because in their mind, there are only two places where you find sand. The first place is, um, is, is along the Mediterranean Sea, you know, where you go to the coast for vacation. And the other place is, you would think in the desert, but in that region, not so much. The place that you find sand is actually in a, in a little, little valley that's carved into the desert called a wadi. And a wadi is, is, is kind of interesting. Let me just show you a couple of pictures of how this, this happens, if I can, if those, will, if those will pop up there. Okay, so if you look at the kind of the darker areas, the green areas, those are the higher elevation places called the, the mountains uh, that, are, that are basically overshadowing uh, the deserts, which you can see clearly are white. And it's hard for us to capture in our own mind just how far the elevation changes, but it's pretty dramatic, okay? But notice something else in this picture. There are a lot of little lines going around, and that means that in the mountains, oftentimes, you'll have a downpour of rain, while down in the desert, you really don't get any rain, as you can tell. Uh, it's not very, very lush or very green. It's pretty dry, and it stays that way all the time. But when it hits the mountain, when those raindrops hit the mountains in a volume, which usually it's a, it's a pretty considerable amount, the mountain, the mountain soil is so hard that that water just begins to flow into these little tributaries. And the tributaries will form larger canals of water that channel that down to the lower elevation, which is the desert. So let's say you and I go hiking in the desert and in, in, in the world that Jesus grew up in. Uh, we would find ourselves basically needing water for hydration. And a lot of times we would think that the quickest way to go to the place that we want to go in the desert because it's rocky and everything would be these little wadis, these little dry places that 99% of the time have no water in them. It's like a riverbed, if you can imagine it. But it's flat because, well, occasionally water comes. And when Jesus is telling this story, he's imagining that the sand that is in the bottom of those wadis is the sand that describes the house that is being built on the wrong foundation. Let me just give you a sense of what happens in a wadi that 1% of the time, if we can play this video just real briefly, this will give you an idea. 
Okay, so here is a sort of a desert uh, channel. But if you notice in the background, something's starting to happen. And that is, up in the mountains, it's been raining. Now the water's coming. And as the water's beginning to flow into this channel, you can see the force that it brings with it. Okay, so just in a matter of a minute, maybe two, you go from bone dry to you better get out of the way. So I just want you to wrap your mind around this for a second. It's going to help. So this video is two minutes long, and you already can tell that's what's happening. And so just imagine your house being built there. What do you think about that? What if somebody said, guess what? Just got some real estate really cheap. Only costs me like $100 an acre, and I, I'm going to build a house there. It's great. I saw it in the back of a of a magazine. They said, you know, you can, you can buy this. Act now. Supplies are limited. They're going fast. And so you prepare uh, to build and you plan and you build it there because, you know, you've invested in this property and then you discover that, oh yeah, nobody told me that the storms were going to come and the house wouldn't survive. Well, that is such a ridiculous example of what Jesus is trying to say that people do. We all do. We all kind of build our foundation on things that don't always last. And sometimes it is a devastating effect that it has on us. And when those storms of life come, Jesus said that they begin to erode what is there. And there's just one more picture that I want to I put in your mind before I move into the rest of the message. And it's a picture of what a river does whenever you think you've built your house close to the river, but not obviously far away enough. I mean, I don't know what happened in that case, but I think you get a sense that if that kept going, it's all over. Hopefully the insurance policy isn't, you know, in the house going down the river. But if you picture this image and you think about what you just saw, the storms we know are inevitable. And they come in so many forms. The foundation is something that we have to pay attention to. And, and, and thirdly, periodically we have to go back and we have to ask the question, are we, are we still grounded? Is our foundation still solidly based on the things of the Lord? Now, my son Christian right now, uh, he's been sending me pictures because he's taken some time off already, and he's gone up into the mountains to go hiking. And so for the last few days, he's been showing me these, these pictures of him in the, in the mountains, and he's kind of in a desert region, and the mountains are, are, um, are, are, are they're in a fall season like we are, and it's really quite beautiful. Uh, and the picture that he sent me at 4 o'clock this morning, my phone goes off, and I'm like, what's going on? And it's him saying, hey, I'm in the mountains. I'm having fun. But what he showed was a picture through a window of the mist that is overshadowing all of the mountains. You see, down in the desert, you have the problem with the storms. And as you navigate past the desert into the higher elevations you have a problem with fog and mist, and you can lose your way. So there's another image I want to I just um, uh, bring your attention to as I unfold this message, and that is that of a, of a cairn. Does anybody know what a cairn is? C-A-I-R-N? -I -I have you ever, 
Kathy, your, your mask is killing me. Sorry, I just had an ADD moment. Just went off track. I got to find my way back. Oh, yeah, the Bible, that's my Karen. Uh, yeah, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? And as uh, you, you hike, sometimes it gets foggy. And when it gets foggy, people recognize that these are places where you could, you could lose your way. And so a cairn is where they take a, a, a rather substantial rock, and then they put a smaller rock that's on top of that one, and one that's smaller on top of that one, and one on top of that one, and one on top of that one, until you have about five or six rocks stacked up. Have you ever seen that before and wondered, what is that? Well, it's actually a hiker's way of warning hikers that are yet to come this direction that stay on this side of the cairn and you won't lose your way. And when Jesus is telling this, we read something that, um, that, 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 that for, for the nerds in the room like yourself and myself, I'm assuming that there's a little bit of nerd in you if you're reading the Bible at all. It says... Um, Jesus, in, in verse 28, it said, um, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings. I'm just going to leave it at that for just a second. Because what I discovered was, Matthew actually has a number of cairns. There's like five blocks of teaching. And so uh, we have... Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, where he says, after Jesus finished these sayings. And then Matthew chapter 11, it says, after Jesus finished saying these things, and that was to the 12. And then in Matthew 13, it says, after Jesus gave all these parables, uh, all of these sayings, Matthew 19, same thing. Matthew 26, 1 so when Jesus was finished saying all of these things, and basically what scholars have said was these are kind of like cairns in the teaching of Matthew where you go so far and then if you're still kind of hanging with him, you're still on track. And you just kind of go through the book of Matthew following this path of learning about Jesus and discovering who he was and how our life is anchored in his life and how our way is defined by his way, Matthew is saying, are you still with me? Are you still with me? Are you still tracking? But how Matthew kicks it off is with the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' way of saying, this is sort of the way you live your life. This is the way you build your foundation. And that's why at the end of those three chapters called Matthew 5, 6, and 7, a.k.a. the Sermon on the Mount, he ends with this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Well, the initial response for the people that heard this as he told this parable, he said, something that is so ridiculous, but yet it's something that we do more often than we realize, we don't pay attention to the foundational things. And we probably should. Because when the storms come, they will reveal the foundation of your life and mine. When the storms come, they are basically saying that it's, it's a predictable and it's guaranteed. I mean, I was looking on my phone this morning and I realized something. It rains a lot at the end of October, doesn't it? I mean, that grass is green, water's wet, and northeastern Ohio is also wet at the end of October and November. Same in the spring. And I'm looking at my, my, my phone, which can predictably tell me when the storms are coming and with a higher degree of accuracy than I can remember the weatherman when I was a kid. So I look at my phone, and it'll say, yeah, it's going to rain uh, today, and chances are it's probably going to rain. But there's a lot of times when the storms come, we did not see them coming. And I just I think I shared maybe last week um, my, my friend from college who's been pretty heavily on my mind, uh, best friend and best man in our wedding, uh, was diagnosed with um, 
stage four colon cancer, and uh, he didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. When I got the text from him he, saying he was on chemo, I didn't see that coming. And my first thought was, I wonder how grounded he is in the Lord right now. I wonder how firmly established he is in the hope that we have in Jesus. And so, you know, I've been talking to him almost every evening. We've been exploring that because it is so fundamental to everything that we go through, especially when we're going through a, a very severe storm like that. Well, it's revealing a lot, and I, I don't even want to go into the gory details of how the storm is impacting people, but um, I, I just see a lot of lives, a lot of relationships, because things are turning to the surface in the, so in the storm, it's just been wreaking havoc. And, and I, I, I want to encourage everyone that is going through a storm relationally that the place to bring it is to, uh, is to the feet of our Lord. And he's the one who will sustain us. He's the one who will help us. I want to just lift up the people that are going through the storms that have a lot to do with their own work and their own livelihood. I just want you to be encouraged that the Lord is there to help you through that storm as well. And I know there are health storms that people are facing right now, like my friend John. And I want to encourage you that the prayers that people are praying on behalf of you and the ones that you share with us, we, we certainly are praying about. That gravitating to the presence of Jesus in the middle of all of that really is the way to navigate the storm because the storm can overwhelm you. And a lot of times in all of those areas, whether it's relationships or health or work or anything that's important to us, perhaps as I'm thinking about my son hiking over, overseas and I'm like, you've never been to those mountains before. Do you know about wadis? Do you know about cairns? And you hope that the things that are necessary for the trip are sufficiently embedded in his own thinking. But my biggest concern over all of that is are you keeping the Lord close and those storms when they hit our kids you are concerned that they've got enough rooting and grounding that when it begins to erode their foundation there's something there and that's why what we're doing with our kids and trying to reignite that aspect of our mission here as a church is so critical and helping to support our parents who are trying to establish those foundation with their kids is such an important part of our, 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 our purpose here. But when the storms come, what do you trust? I think the temptation a lot of times is to trust our own accomplishments, the things that we've done, the things that we've built, the things that we've established, perhaps the security that we've created for ourselves, uh, investments or property or our work, and perhaps we think that's enough. What you discover is, at the end of the day, if you're putting your confidence in anything else, other than Jesus, and the storms do come and they will come, chances are, whatever that anchor is that you are grounded in, it's not going to be enough. And I think that's why Jesus made such a ridiculous point to the people that first heard this. Because he wanted to show that the contrast between the things that we trust in this life and the one in whom we should place our trust each and every hour of every day is, is literally like night and day. And as Jesus is unfolding this into their lives, he's basically telling them there is a kingdom that, that is the realm that God basically establishes that in many ways is invisible, but it's, it's kind of like this. We live in the United States of America, no question about that, 
and there's politicians and lawmakers, and there are opportunities within the way our country is structured to be gainfully employed, to be governed in a certain way, and to hopefully have peace and security and some prosperity. And a lot of people trust that as the American dream. But then there are other people, I think, who come into a place like this who recognize, even though I'm a resident in this community and in this country, when I think about my own security, when I think about the things that define what I mean by wealth or prosperity or happiness or joy, when I think about the things that keep my world together, my confidence isn't so much in politicians, lawmakers, people that run businesses, because I think the last 20, 30 years have told us they got a lot of problems. But when you live in the realm of the kingdom of God that Jesus is beginning to launch into the minds and the hearts of the people that are hearing the sermon, they start to trust that no matter what is happening with the economy, no matter what is happening on the political front, no matter what is happening in all of these institutions that are around us, if we are a citizen and a resident of his kingdom, no question those things will impact our lives, but at each and every turn, if we trust God as not only our foundation, but as our provider, as our primary source, as the one whom we pray to for every need that we have, God will sufficiently bring it into our world. He'll watch out for us. He calls us his children. And that notion goes all the way back to the Old Testament where the people were called up out of Egypt. They were wandering in the desert, and um, they, they heard basically Moses' sermon on from the mountain that had the Ten Commandments. And as they're in the desert, they have no food. They have no means of being sustained. They have no country, no nation, nothing. They're just there at the foothills of the mountains, perhaps vulnerable to the rain that's happening up above. And God is saying, I am the God who is your provider. And so when they need, God made sure they had food. When they needed whatever they needed for life, God ensured it. People have said that when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, it was like Moses giving the law from Mount Sinai. But it was a new way, a fresh way of bringing to bear the truths of God into the hearts of the people so that they could understand and they could begin to trust it no matter what other voices they were hearing. And as they did that, their lives would slowly go from suspicion to openness to recognizing that these are trustworthy things. These are things not only worth believing, but these are things worth building our life on, worth practicing. And what that does is it builds up a resilience. This has been really hard for churches, and statisticians will say 20, 30% of your people may never come back. Uh, statisticians have said that a lot of ministers are just stepping out because they can't, they can't make sense of what's happening. Uh, divorce rates are up 30%, and even amongst newlyweds, 20%. What is happening right now has rocked not only the world out there, but the world of the church. And that's why this message is of great concern to me, because if anything, I want us to be resilient. I want us to be able to be grounded enough in the things of the Lord that no matter what storm comes our way, we are not, we, we are not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We're not devastated. We're not lost. But we make it. We make it through it. 
and we not only survive, but in the Lord, despite the things that are going on around us, we find a way to thrive. Well, have you ever seen trees near a river, like a sycamore or um, other trees, and you've seen those stormy seasons come and the water just raises to levels that you can't always imagine? And it seems like trees and logs and stuff are floating down the river as they've become uprooted. But then you see these old sycamores. A lot of them are like leaning like that, and they're growing like that. They're kind of funky looking, but they're huge. And the only thing I can think of is whatever storms that sycamore confronted, it must have just caused them to dig deeper in their rootedness. Because I actually think the upside of a storm is that it helps us to lean even more into the things of the Lord, to trust the Lord more, to perhaps pray more, to trust that our prayers will be answered, to grow in our confidence that He is with us and that He won't forsake us. And all of those things are what Jesus is driving at for you and I. Because he, he looks off in the distance and he sees the storm coming. And he knows it's going to hit the lives of these people. And for sure, actually 35 years later, their country is completely annihilated. The temple is totally destroyed and everything disappears regarding their way of life and everything that they knew in that way of life gone and I you know I hope that that doesn't happen in this country I hope that you and I in our lifetimes our kids lifetimes never have to experience that <clears throat> but I do know that the storms will come and my question right now as I end this message is when they do, what are they going to reveal about your life, about what you trust? And for some of us, perhaps the fact that we haven't really established trust with the Lord, that's a concern. And the Lord has called us into a relationship with Him, but he's also called us to turn away from those things that we put our confidence in, ourselves, our accomplishments, our own security, our own goodness, everything that we would think that would be necessary for those storms that, in the end, still not enough. And so he calls you and I to just lay all that down and to first surrender our lives to him and then begin to move into life with an understanding that whatever we have and whatever we have been given and whatever we're responsible for, he is the foundation for it all. But until you establish a covenantal relationship with him, your life is not grounded enough in the realities that he's talking about. And so he calls us to surrender our lives to him, to accept him as his, our Lord and Savior, and to be brought into a kingdom where no matter what's happening out there, he gives us enough in here to make it through the storm and even beyond. Yesterday, I got a phone call from Gary Hirschberger, and some of you may remember Irene Hirschberger. Irene passed away yesterday, and they said she had, she just had joy even leading up to that. Because there was something in her life, and Gary and Gloria said that even though she was going through a, a rough year for 2020 for her, she never, never had any doubts, never had any real deep concerns, never had any worries. But there's always this deep contentment that no matter what, Jesus was going to see me through. I had the opportunity to go pray with her before uh, on Friday, and it was, it, you know, she was not real responsive, but 
when I, when I prayed and I asked, you know when that time comes and it appears he's calling you home pretty soon, he's going to carry you across that divide and into his presence forever. And you could just see a tear come down from her, from her eyes. And I know it wasn't a tear of fear, and I know it wasn't a tear of, 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 uh, of uh, anguish. It was a tear of joy because she had spent her whole life trusting in these very things that began with the Sermon on the Mount. And she had no worries because the storms no longer really got to her like they maybe did at one time. I would love to see each of us end our lives with tears of joy, knowing that what's just around the corner when I see that last cairn is the, is the beholding of the beauty and the glory of the Lord where there are no more tears, there is no more brokenness, there are no more storms. But what is broken is made whole again. I don't know how to cast that vision any more than that this morning other than to trust that if God is working in your heart, He's calling you to turn away from that way of life that trusted those things that don't last to a way of life that is sure and confident and hope-filled. Would you bow with me? Our Lord Jesus, we thank you that as we have gathered around your word, you have come into our presence and spoken to our hearts. I pray that the things that I've said would be reflective of everything that you intended when you first gave these words. I pray for everyone here as we are all feeling the flood swell and the impact that it's having on our own foundations. I just pray for everyone here that we would be reinforced in every good thing that we find in your word as we see it as a signpost to you. And may you, Lord, be glorified in our lives and lifted up. May we trust you with confidence. And may you be the final authority of every decision that we make and every attitude that we have and every behavior that we act out, that we would just be rooted and grounded in you, Lord, and you alone. Please help us in that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're coming to uh, the moment where we're taking that covenant that I mentioned a minute ago and allowing it to reaffirm what we've established. Covenants are really important because they define relationships. And they're something that if you take seriously, they will serve you well. And so when we, we take the loaf and the cup, which is uniquely packaged in this way, but the form of it still remains from the day that we first heard mention of it in the upper room with Jesus. The juice, which represents the blood of Christ, And the loaf, which reminds us of his body broken as he broke that bread before his disciples, is just a way of helping us to take away from here the awareness of that covenantal relationship that we have with him, the forgiveness of our sins and the joy of the hope of knowing that no matter what storms come, he is there with us, and he is our sure foundation. Let's take these together. Amen. Uh, before we go into our last song, let's just take a minute to uh, pray. Um, just as a group, and to thank 
the Lord for the things that we've heard today uh, and to lift some things up to him if you'd Father, we thank you for the fact that there is such a thing as grace and that it comes from your open hand. It is what we don't deserve coming to us. Either we were saved by grace, we were given life by grace. All of our salvation was accomplished by grace and we, the reason we have any good thing is because you have given it. Uh, and some have looked upon this and seen this in you, in your word, and they've called it amazing grace, rightly so, uh, because of all that you accomplish in our lives. And so we pray thanking you for the foundation that uh, perhaps our faith was strengthened and that foundation grew in Christ today. And thank you that it doesn't just mean for this life, but it has, we have a firm foundation after. There's more, and a lot more. And so we ask for that amazing grace, especially in the life of uh, Laura McCoy, who we know how to stroke a few days ago, when we pray uh, for her explicitly that you would grant her this grace and her family, and that you would stay their hearts in the knowledge of your absolute ableness and perfection and goodness. And any matter that comes to our mind that's in need of your grace, which is your help, your undeserved help, which goes, we can help so much. All of our help, it hits the ceiling. You can go further. You can do more. You can, we think we know a lot because we've been around the block, but you made the block. So help us in all of our limitations and stay our hearts in the knowledge that you are at work in this broken world, being merciful, giving grace, and showing us love. And it's for your wonderful name we pray and praise. Amen. Somebody fix the heat. Do you feel like the heat's on? Yes, off? it is. Amen. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Grace. You want to stay up and stay with This is amazing grace. 
Go get your kids. We love you. We'll see you soon.
Enjoy.